Hey, this is John Smallwood. Uh, today with me, I have a very special guest. It is Barry Dyke. He's the author of currently three books, The Pirates of Manhattan, which was written in 2007, which is a wonderful book uh, that everybody should be getting that really talks about. It was pre the financial crisis. It, it's a bestseller. Um, he has the Highway to Serfdom and Barry. What's the third book that you have? Uh, that was Guaranteed Income, which I did with Dave Walker. Um, you know, uh, oh, right. I, I'm, I'm planning for re, uh, you know, your retirement. Yes. You know, yes. Building income streams in retirement. Yeah. So Barry's been in the industry for about 40 years. I've been in the industry for 30 years, which I can't believe. Um, started when I was like two, but um, the reality of this is. Barry and I have known each other for a very long time. We've been in the same circles. We share the same philosophy. And one of the things that Barry is very strong about is, is creating the, the protection and the defensive elements of a financial plan. And part of that is revolving around life insurance and annuities to provide guaranteed in income and how important that is. And he has a very unique perspective. So welcome, Barry. Thank you, John. Great to see you. Great to see you, and um, and uh, Merry Christmas to you, and, and uh, belated Happy Thanksgiving. You know, so yes. good to see you, John. Yeah, good to see you too. Now, if, you know, let's jump in. Like, what's on your mind now? What are you most concerned about, and what do you see happening in the financial services? Well, was the other you? day close was like uh, the market all close a high time, like all high, time high. Yes, the other day. And what, what you're seeing, unfortunately, what you're seeing is that all the like the precursors, this is what we saw happen in 1928, the same crap, if you will, before the market imploded. So the, 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 there's a total disconnect between the real world and the stock market. The stock market is not the economy. You know, it, it, it just and the reason why the economy or the stock market is booming because all the Fed's printing up all this money. And it's all being forced into the market, which is technically in economics called disintermediation. So people are being forced into the market in search of yield. But the problem is, is that people have less and less and less uh, protection of principle. And which is so what I've seen in my 35 or long uh, 30 some odd years in the business is that people have less protection today than they ever did. And and um, and, and, and unfortunately, this is leading to tremendous inequality too. Now I'm a capitalist like you are, John. I have a business, I have people who work for me, I have equipment, I, I spend a lot of money in information technology, um, you know, I'm a capitalist. But right now what we have is not, you know, capitalism per se, we have crony capitalism. And I'm really passionate about it because you have like, you mentioned you have a son like in your 20s and I have three young kids. You know, my father always said, you want to leave the world a better place, you know, uh, where you found it, and right now Wall Street's just taking over. And um, so I think this coronavirus thing is really bad, but I think that the bigger problems, the underlying economic problems, the debt. And um, so it's so this is just some some of the things that are drawing my mind right now, and but also trying to insulate people from from the the crap and and, and the and the gambling and speculation which continues to goes on. Um, because, if, you know, I, I've done a number of studies, I mean, backed by actuaries, and the whole thing is people do not really make that much money in the market on the long term. They may make it in spurts, and there's always going to be outliers. No question about that. But for the most part, 
people don't make money in the market. Right. You know, and you know, I mean, there's that I manage money, you can manage money. What? Yeah, there's that Dalbar there's that Dalbar study that is published every single year that for the last 25 years I've been getting it and it basically says oh the market over the last 20 years has made like eight and a half percent or whatever the math is and and then you know as you um, as you look at it the average investor gets like two two and a half percent and you know it's like and everybody's chasing that rate of return. They're in their rate of return Olympics trying to get to this level. And then, you know, it, it sets people up for for failure because they have that missing return of phobia where they're sitting here going, oh, my God, I just missed a 20 percent move and or whatever it is. And then everybody's rushing in to get that repeating return that usually fails them like oh that asset class was great now let's go buy it and, and you know my thing right now is you look at the market and you see the pe ratios are like 35 for a lot of these big companies and historically they're in the you know high teens so you're twice as valuable which leads to what you're talking about is it's got to either sales have got to increase dramatically or prices need to fall um, but I, I think there's this shift, like I've been doing this for 30 years and I know when I first came into the industry, you could get a CD for seven, seven and a half percent. And if you had a million dollars, that was $70,000 a year. It was easy. It was easy to do planning. Right. And now, you know, that same million dollar account is sitting in a CD. You're, you're, you're going to get 10,000. So what's happened is people are forced. What you're saying is they're forced to take more risk because of where the interest rates are and they're forced to to put themselves at risk and it's that volatility adjusted return that just destroys their plan like everything's great when it's linear like if you could make four percent every single year and take out four percent okay you're going to survive but it's it's that down five and up zero in the you know that just all of a sudden you're on this crash course for running out of capital. And uh, it's funny, every time I get on a podcast or I do something, the leaf blowers show up outside the office building. So if you hear that in the background, we'll try to scrub it out. But uh, I'm, well, I'm they're tiring the building next door, they're putting a new parking lot here too. So if you hear noise in the background here, but uh, uh, I understand that, but no, and, 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 and a friend of mine who is a, uh, I call him a recovering actuary. You know, he, he told me this. We were speaking a couple of weeks ago. He said, well, it's all Tina. And I said, what's Tina? And he says, there is no alternative. So they're forcing people into the market. They're forcing, you know, so you get these giant, I call them communist funds. So you got BlackRock, you got State Street, you got Vanguard, you got Infidelity, you got Invesco, these giant ETFs and the whole thing. They're collecting rents off of people's money, okay? People don't get it, okay, but they're collecting rents, even as if it's 10 bips or 15 bips, and there's no That's risk to them. All right. And now they're getting into private equity and all this other crap. So put, put people more at risk. And so so the whole thing is really protecting people's principles is more important than ever, John. But but because the the, the media narrative, you know, you're not going to hear this in the main street media. Matter of fact, there was a uh, Matt Taibbi, the, the – uh, author and writer, he, I was reading a piece by him last night. Um, the majority of Americans do not trust the media. 
and and they shouldn't because it's really more about uh, supporting advertising. So the people not going to hear from the generally from the media. They're only going to hear from people like you or me or other folks, uh, Bob Castellone or. Uh, but luckily, uh, because I've written these books and things like that, um, I've been able to uh, 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 get a pretty good audience with other people like Ted Bennett. I don't know if you saw my video with Ted. He's the guy who created yes. the 401k. So a lot of stuff, you know, so a lot of like in planning, it's really about helping people and, you know, really being a good steward, you know, and, um, and but, but Wall Street is just one big freaking casino. And it's rigged. Yeah. It, it is rigged. And it's a big party, okay? And it's a big club, and you and I are not in it. <laughs> so this, this is what has happened. And, and, and so what we've seen, even since last September, John, when the repo market went, went into the tank, um, right. we've just seen um, unprecedented um, – uh, when, when the repo market went into the tank last uh, uh, September or so, now you have these banks now where they're so over leveraged um, and there's actually no reserve requirement on banks now. So it's very kind of frightening. Um, but, you know, and so um, what I'm passionate about is the debt because we have too much debt on a balance sheet, a family balance sheet or individual's balance sheet or business. It always it never ends up well. And so um, so I think what you and I need to do is just help people have you know, more secure balance sheets, more certainty. Um, because, um, you know, it's, and, and, and no one goes to jail on this stuff. I mean, no one goes to jail. I've actually done the market. I've done the research, John. Um, it's over a third of a trillion dollars in fines. I got a document, from, you know, from J.P. Morgan to Goldman Sachs to all of them, okay? In the last and, how long? Yeah. About past past decade. I mean, Goldman just got got nailed for like five point two billion or six billion for the the Malaysian bank failure. And but no one, you know, no one goes to jail. I mean, I mean, it's just uh, it's like it's like paying a traffic ticket. So, um, anyway, so the point is, there is no accountability on Wall Street. Um, the system is rigged, and so it's our job really to tell people the truth and you know and treat them like family. You know, and and you know, and, and I always tell people, look at, you know, I'll, I'll treat your money like it's my own, and um, right, and, it, and it's that balance that you create in the plan. It's that actuarial concept, that that actuarial science, that what you're looking at is saying, yes, unfortunately, I love the concept, Tina. There is no alternative, right? So you start to look at it. And you say, okay, well, there is money in the stock market. I have to have money in the stock market. And then I start comparing it to, to cash or bonds. And we're at these super low interest rates. And cash and bonds are not giving me the income that I need. And it's in this moment where we as advisors need to look at the bigger picture and understanding like things like whole life insurance in a client's financial plan you have the cash value, but you also have the death benefit. And if you treat both of those as assets, you can have a you, you can simulate better returns because if you understand the power of the death benefit and the power of the stability of the cash value, those are things that I think people don't really understand. And that's kind of what one of the things I want to dive in today with you is you have a unique view on the the whole life insurance. And in, and as I remember in the Pirates of Manhattan, when I read it, 
you have a whole concept about tier one, tier two, and tier three capital of the financial institute. Yep. I kind of want you to just expand on that whole concept. So <clears throat> Okay. Well, most of these people, you know, well, there was a lot of research, whatever, but um, anyway, so the most important asset in any bank is what is called their tier one capital. That's the general account. That's the most, that's like, think of it like a household account, like your, your general checking account, whatever. but the most important asset, any bank, I don't care, you know, um, is that what, what they have in their, in their tier one capital, essentially that, and the greater the amount of tier one capital they have, the more money they can lend out to the public. So as you know, John, reading my books, if someone has, uh, say something like JP Morgan, I don't know, they have, uh, let's say they have, 150 billion um, uh, in tier one capital. That means they can lend out at least 10 times that, or over a trillion dollars <clears throat> in capital. <clears throat> so it's the most important asset of any bank. Now, as a matter of fact, all the federal regulators, the control of the currency, the FDIC, everybody essentially said you can't put your money in equities because they're too freaking volatile. Okay. If they're unsafe. Equities are not tier one capital. Equities they can't be there. Okay. Okay. So the banks probably find a way to get around it somehow. But anyway, so so what what is considered the, the safest assets? So they were considered primarily like commercial mortgages. Well, we don't know about them right now, but or gold or cash or treasury bills or things of that nature. Things which are very very safe. And the and, and the higher the, um, uh, the 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 liquidity, the higher the risk uh, uh, rating. In other words. And what, what I found, and I just stumbled upon this, and, and um, this is over a long period of time, is that the banks in a big way, about you know, roughly about two decades ago, started buying huge amounts of life insurance for their own account. And, and the whole thing is, is that um, even to this day, okay, the major media will not acknowledge my research. I mean, I've been interviewed by Bloomberg on Lexington Avenue, the whole thing. They still won't. Re re reveal this to the public, but it's all a matter of public record. So I, I discovered that, oh my God, all these banks buy all this life insurance. So why are they doing this? Because they're smart. I mean, right? It's they're smart. Life insurance. Who are they insuring? It's their. Is it their? What is the concept? Well, yeah. So what, so what they're doing now? They're actually they're insuring the top thirty five percent of their income, <clears throat> their workforce by income. So say something like Wells Fraud or Wells Fargo, if you will, or JP Morgan, whatever. So say they, most of them employ about, employ about 250,000 people. So they'll ensure the top income third, but say maybe the top 40, 50,000 people. Uh, and they classify it as a way to, to fund retirement benefits, but that, that's much of BS because they're actually doing it for economic reasons. But they're putting money into the, uh, in cash value life insurance because it's very, very stable. A life company can't lever the crap out of their balance sheet like a bank can. The money grows tax deferred. The money which was, which sits on the balance sheet, okay, can be levered. So for every dollar they have in cash values, they can lever it out to the public uh, 10 times. Now, after last September, now they can lend out a limited amount of money. They know everyone dies, and people do. And then when the, when when, pe when people do die, the money comes into the into the um, into the bank income tax free, so they get it. You know why why does you know uh, Wells Fraud or Wells Fargo or Citigroup or all these um, 
Bank of America have $22 billion in cash value because they're, they're not dummies. And even, um, you know, like E-Trade people, I, I think Morgan Stanley is by E-Trade, I guess, maybe. Um, but so even banks like E-Trade have this for, for really for, for the very, very stable base. So um, and then they use it also, too, for executive re- pension plans and things like that. And we get into that. People can go to BarryJamesDyke.com. But thanks for that. That's my website up there. Um, yeah. But, um, you know, and they can read all about it. So I just discovered this. And um, and so I started doing more research. And, and then, you know, I found that, you know, you know, your your giant media companies like Comcast, uh, you know, they buy huge, you know, uh, premiums for, the, for their executives. And, and, um, and people like things that work. And not that life insurance is a panacea. It's not a panacea. I mean, um, but but it works. You know, and, and it's that and, stability. It's that stability that they're looking for, so they can get the leverage that they need, and and the power of the death benefit coming in, just is amazing. <clears throat> I don't know if this is true or not, but I heard, you know, I read something years ago that. Uh, England was having a lot of trouble with their pension, with their with their pensions, and they started to purchase life insurance on all of their participants. You know, pension-owned type of life insurance, which solved a lot of their problems because as pensioners died, they were getting replenished from the death benefits. Um, yeah, but what's a bigger trend, John, which I haven't released to the public. I don't know how I'm going to do this yet, but I've been doing the research, is, which is even bigger, is that. Um, Near New York area, I, I forget where about whereabouts you Red Bank that area. Yeah, so Red Bank, New Jersey. Yeah. Okay. All right. My brother used to live there years ago. But um, oh, so right. so what is happening, John, is that um, uh, pension risk management. The whole thing is people can't. You know, uh, the whole idea that uh, make a long story short. This is this is this is what gets my gander. But it's all true, and I've all researched all of this. And you're not going to hear it from the media, but even the media companies themselves, they're, they're, they're turning to life insurance companies to manage their pensions. Fact. About maybe 50 days ago, 60 days ago, New York Times, the old gray lady, okay, who says nothing good about life insurance, nothing good about annuities. They themselves bought another annuity for $235 million. So the so the so the New York Times actually bought an annuity um, uh, for I think about total aggregate purchase about four hundred sixty million bucks. CBS, you know you know that little uh, media company or Viacom in in uh, in New York they bought an eight hundred million dollar annuity. I mean I could go on and on. Um, um, Boeing, General Motors, Federal Express, all these companies are turning to life insurance companies to finance and to to finance and create income streams to the re- people's retirement. So because right. that, that actually yeah, because stability. Yeah, right. And that in the media, you know, all these great marketing campaigns that annuity stock and all this stuff that's out there it's, is taking you away from it. But the reality is the, the companies are actually using these products in a way because of the security that they're looking for. Um, it's a wonderful, you know, it's such a, it doesn't make sense to me why we would, you know, on one side use it for our own purposes, but on the other side talk negatively about it because 
it does because they don't because ins the insurers really don't advertise much. You know, a little bit. They, of uh, they do they do a horrible job at it. They're, they you know they have probably the best product in the world. They do a horrible job on it. And you know, and I told you I was, I was talking to the CEO of a major uh, company, and uh, he agrees with me. I said, well, you know, why don't you promote it? And you're like, because uh, a lot of these insurers they have their other they you know they own broker dealers and all this, so they want to kind of be neutral about all of this stuff, but. But that, but that's the truth, and um, you know. So, um, but that's what amazes me, and um, so, and and but what I found, John, is not just in the U.S., but it's also in the United Kingdom. It's huge. You know, yeah. um, it's huge. I mean, they're buying billions. Um, not only that, um, Bank of America, Merrill Lynch in England bought one for half a billion dollars. They do fund pensions for like nine hundred people. Wow. Lehman Brothers, same thing, okay? And anyone in the media was listening to me, I'll give you the the details, but you won't hear it in the media. Um, so, so it's just it's incredible, incredible hypocrisy. But uh, but the, but and that's the trend. And um, that's the thing. That uh, that's the thing that I'm. That's the thing that I'm seeing now. Also, is like if you look at some of the largest pensions in the country, both the corporate pensions and the state run or, you know, multi-employer pension systems, they're all underfunded um, dramatically. And GE is one of the most public ones that, that you discuss periodically. And, you know, 15, 18 years ago, when Jeff Imlet took over GE, the pension fund had an $11 billion surplus and now has somewhere between a 20 and $30 billion deficit. So the actuarial assumptions that they were using rate of return didn't didn't provide what they wanted to, where if they had in an insurance company, the insurance company is not using rate of return. They're using mortality signs. And that is pretty clear that everybody that's listening to this podcast, you and I, both of us, we're all going to die. The question is what day and time and location. Was it a good ending or was it a bad ending? You know, we don't know. Um, <laughs> but that's the thing that we need to, like, the, the smartest people said, oh, we don't need the protection of guarantees and annuities. And now they're way underfunded and you have five or 600,000 people that are going to be impacted when they write the, the, the pension down. In New Jersey, our teacher's pension fund has 22% funding, according to Truth. <laughs> it's got 22% funding. So you have like 80,000 teachers living off of their pensions. At some point, if there's not enough money, what do you do? You got to write down the benefits. And people, you know, I have a lot of clients that are that are teachers. My wife is a teacher. It is a, it's an important part of their financial strategies, but if it changes, it's cataclysmic for them. And I think, you know, it's really interesting that these big companies are moving in the direction of, you know, writing checks to insurance companies to take the balance sheet risk off of their, off of their risk. It's really interesting. Now, back to the corporate or bank-owned insurance. Yeah. They're doing it. Tier one capital. It's a large portion of their tier one capital because their lending requirement that they can get whatever the lending capability is that that's considered a very stable asset. 
Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, it's like gold, you know, it's pretty, it's stable. It's about as stable as you're going to get, you know, and, and the whole thing is that, but when you look at the alternatives, what am I going to put my money in an ETF? You know what I mean? Or in inverse, you know, inverse ETF, which was leverage to the moon. I mean, it's just, so it's, so the, the, the debt within, um, and it's a contract. This it's a contract. It, it says we promise to pay. You know, and 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 I'll be the first one to say that, you know this probably the life insurance industry. I, I know the industry pretty well, but at the end of the day, they have a heck of a lot more integrity than than Wall Street, and which I always thought amazing. The securities are called securities because they're probably about as insecure as you can get. Um, but uh, uh, but anyway, so yes, that's yeah, and and your wife's a teacher. Uh, she's she she teaches in New Jersey. Yep. Now you guys are, you know, New Jersey, Illinois, Massachusetts, Connecticut. They're, you know, they're like Chernobyl's. I mean, it's just, it's just, uh, it's, 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 it's a very tough situation. Um, it is. And this is, this is my thing. When you, when clients come in and they're thinking, okay, I, I've amassed a certain amount of money, and I'm now getting, I'm approaching this retirement point. And it's how am I going to generate the income? The biggest concern is how do I, you know, go to that? How do I start to generate income from these assets? And so many people are afraid to lose the paycheck because they're sitting here saying, I'm making 1% of my money or less. Um, you know, I, I have a pension that I want to take, but it is underfunded. I'm concerned about it. But I have this life-only option that I have to choose from, that or joint survivor, and I've you know depending upon the makeup of the family, those pension numbers can be a dramatic reduction. You know, if I'm 70 years old and my wife is 60, and I want to provide her protection of my pension, I'm going to give up 25% of my pension to provide her with you know 50% payout or maybe 100% payout. But it's like. The people were faced with these obstacles that we know are coming. And the key for us is how do you utilize these guarantees in the client plan so they can do larger pensions? They can have this guaranteed income that's a stability as a floor. So if something in their plan goes down because the pension's underfunded or the market goes down, which we know it's going to, um, you know, how do you how do you survive? through a 30, 40 year retirement plan? How do you survive from inflation? How do you survive from taxes? You know, these are all things that are just coming at us. So. Yeah, well, well that's what the life insurance is. It's the pension maximization. I mean, I, it's funny, my my neighbor, you know, it's funny. I, uh, I've, you know, spoken around the country and, you know, I'll, I've spoken to actually, I was talking to my son about how I've spoken like full auditoriums in California, but if I do a book signing around here, I can get, I'm lucky if I get two or three people to show up. But uh, uh, the same was whole, true with the Jesus, I guess. But in any event, my neighbor asked me, they said, um, uh, about buying life insurance because they said there are union steward or whatever. Said, they said they should really buy life insurance to maximize the pension. So, yeah, when you look at the alternatives and, and, and the life company will always be more stable than their actual pension. As a matter of fact, the research, which I think I, in the book I did, Guaranteed Income, John, I, I, I found out was that uh, Wells Fargo has got more money invested in life insurance than they do in their entire pension. So um, 
but no, as a planning tool, you can do so much with it. You know, John, and um, I don't know how many claims you've had. You've been in the business long. I, I had my 62nd claim last week. Did you? Which, you know, um, and, uh, um, and um, you know, and this is a lot of people, you know, fought me to buy it. But, you know, um, you know, I have a lot of peace of mind. I, I you know, I did it. It was a it was a long-term client of mine, and she was an accountant. Her husband was a chef and the whole thing, and, you know, and um, she had been disability claim for a long time. She had been disability for 15 years. I, I underwrote the disability insurance for her, and then her husband died just out of the blue, you know, and, you know, it's just, you know, we, um, you know, it's really uh, we're able to help people and, you know, and bring checks, and um, we don't have all the answers, um, but you know, everyone else brings bills, and, um and I've had, I've had a settle a number of very large estates with clients. And holy moly, when, when there's, you know, liquidity, when you have that cash liquidity in your, your bank account, okay, from the, you have a couple million dollars in life insurance proceeds, you, you, can, you can be a pretty good negotiator. If you have nothing, good luck, you know. And, um, and so I, I just, it, it's really, when you think about it, what we do is really about helping, you know, about, loving and caring for families and their, you know, and their sons and daughters and all that stuff. It, it's so important what we do. And, um, it, you, it, you know, it truly, it truly is. I think you, you're what you're saying right now is I want to go back to the education side of this for a second, because what we're seeing with the media and not not understanding and what we're doing and the training of even the financial services industry is that we're taught you don't need life insurance in retirement. And that, and I see people, you were talking about pension maximization and I see people, you know, retiring at 55 from, you know, Manhattan, you know, they're, they're police officers or, you know, firemen or whatever it is. And they're, somebody sells them term insurance. That's like a 20 year plan to protect their spouse. And the term insurance is like a rental. You know, the, the premium super low and they've convinced them to invest money on the other side. And, you know, if the person dies before the 20 years, the spouse is probably going to be OK if they bought the right amount of insurance. But if, you know, you retire at 55 and you make it to 75 and the insurance goes away and then the market's down and then you die, okay, your family is not going to be the same thing. And I think about it always as, you know. When I sit here and I think about what it is I want for my family and what I want, you know, what my father wanted for his family, you want the best. You want the maximum. And, and the pressure that a surviving spouse has, you know, we don't know what happened prior to death. Did you end up in the nursing home and have that long, drawn out, you know, destruction of wealth and then you die and leave your spouse hanging? You know, did you have that pension that you took the life only option and your wife now has nothing? And then there's the two social securities. You got to choose from one of those. And now you're losing one of those. And a lot of people have, oh, I have lifetime health insurance as part of my overall package for retirement, but it dies with me. They don't understand that. Right. And then you end up in a single taxpayer bracket. So like the life insurance, just as we get closer to retirement, we're now closer to death and the insurance company wants us off the books. The, the, like what we're seeing is that buy term invest the difference concept that never works. It's just taking all of your money, 
from you. And I think it's, you know, what, one of the things that we've set up and that we want for our clients is if the client's going to be worth a million dollars at retirement, the goal is to have somewhere between two and 300,000 of that million dollars sitting in a cash value life insurance policy with a death benefit that might be seven or $800,000 and it's paid for. And that provides that stability and that foundation or the tier one capital, as we want to call it, that when stuff goes wrong, that life insurance policy, because it's a promise, is not going anywhere. And then on top of that, layering some guaranteed income products. And then above that is that risk capital that, you know, go back to Tina for a second. There's no other alternative. How can I get some excess return, either the real estate market or, you know, the investment market? But there's so much, you know, like that's what we're trying to accomplish for the client. But it's the 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 misinformation that's out there is what is what kills me. It's the half story. Um, yeah, it's horrific. Um, and um, so what has happened since, since 2007, 2008, when I published the first book, and that kind of put me on the map, it's gotten much worse. Um, so there's more leverage in the system. There's more instability. There's less guarantees. Um, and it, it, so people now more than ever really need to have seatbelts or guardrails around their money. And... Um, you know, because it's just um, people don't realize it, John. I, I, you're around. Uh, remember the dot com meltdown, ninety nine, two thousand. I remember that. You know, seventy five percent of the companies that were listed on the Nasdaq, okay, could make this stuff up. Seventy five percent that went public during ninety nine, two thousand. They're no longer in existence. That's according to the economists. So, so, so it's just. And then what we're seeing. I don't know if you've seen this other stuff now with Wall Street, the SPACs, uh, yes. special purpose acquisition companies. All right. It's, 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 it's getting even crazier, raising money with not even a product. It's like, hey, we promised to find to buy, raise some money and we'll buy a company. And they're raising yeah. records amounts. It's 50% of this year's IPO market. And, you know, they're taking two companies, merging them together, then taking them public putting together, you know, all kinds of different things, uh, marijuana, uh, you know, crazy things uh, that it's a, and, and why, why did the SPAC come out, right? Why is it out here? Uh, there's a whole underlying thing that we could go probably for hours on, but, you know, it's a better format for the guys that are taking everybody public. Right? Well, yeah, because the investment bankers make a shitload of money, you know, we're bringing the company public, okay. And, and and you got what I call you have the rise of the communist funds. We have these index funds like like BlackRock and you know it, it, yeah and Fidelity and Vanguard and the whole thing. There's there's actually no accountability. I, I I get it. I'm a kind of a closet indexer myself. Okay, but the thing is, is the there is no accountability. Okay, right. there's no problem. There's there's no accountability, and you know and so I think. You know, as stewards, like I think we are. I mean, we have, we're in a good business. We we have a we have an opportunity to do a lot of good in people's lives. Um, um, I, and I, I think we have to take that very very seriously. Okay, and and if you read a arbitration agreement on your brokerage statement, whoever's listening out there, you realize you got nothing to stand sit on. Okay, or if you you know you read your arbitration agreement or your uh, 
uh, what was the uh, uh, arbitration agreement? Okay, you have, you have nothing to stand on. So, so if if, if it's life insurance or annuity contract, it's a legal contract. Says we promise to pay. And you know, and if you read, you know, uh, investment that says investing involves risk. And so we see um, this wholesale looting of people's money. Um, for instance, um, you're in New York City, and I was down there last year. My son was living, he lives up in New Hampshire now, but he was living in Queens before. He's worked for investment advisory. He helps companies raise money. But And uh, we had opportunity, because I've been following that company, WeWork. Do you remember that company, John, WeWork? Yeah. $47 billion valuation. Forty-seven billion. I'm like, what? It's just a real estate company. And here's the guy. The guy was the CEO. He's smoking pot and flying over to Israel and buying all these homes, five homes around the country, and the whole thing. I said, this is crazy. But yeah. what makes it even crazier is that the major investors were in WeWork were, I call it Fidelity or Infidelity, Vanguard, T. Rowe Price, Hancock, other people. And so which. So people, their mutual fund money is being invested in these crazy startup, startups. And people have no idea because there's a provision within the mutual funds that uh, you can put like 15% of it in non-listed companies. But to me, it's 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 really poor stewardship. So so people have these more of this risk. Yeah, not a lot of, not a lot of dis, disclosure in what you own at any time. So it's very difficult. I mean, we use all the big names because they do – they do good things. I mean, we use index strategies, we use active management strategies in our portfolios, but it's like you don't know what's in there in detail. It's almost impossible to get to it. Yeah, you can't. And so, uh, so, and, and, and you know, so um, uh, you know, I, I like indexing, and I, you know, I, I believe in active management to a certain extent. But my point is that none of these guys guarantee anything. And you know, yeah. one of the things which John, I have a very big client of mine, and um, <laughs> she was very anti-annuity and anti-insurance now. Now I think uh, she's uh, has millions in the stuff now. But but now she's uh, she just isn't she just you know as people get older too, um, you don't have that um, intellectual uh, capacity, um, you know, to discern and things like that. And so people just like the peace of mind. You know, when she when she graduates, you know. Um, and her, and her husband was a good client. He passed away. And then, you know, I took over that stuff and eventually took over the account from the Wells Fargo, whatever. But as people get older, I mean, they really all they want to do is they want to enjoy their family. They want to know everything's going to be OK. They don't want to look at this stuff. OK. And this and her husband, they were as active as anybody. And they really get it now. And, 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 and they're just very, very happy. And um, she says, Barry, I just don't want to lose anything at this point. Yeah. You know, so, so the fear, I, the fear of loss, the fear of loss and running out of money is far, you know, far more important than actually making money. Like people would much rather just, yeah, I want to know that it's there and I don't want to lose it. It took me 50 years to accumulate it. I don't want to go backwards. And, and so, yeah, so that, that's really, really important. Then you realize, and you have a, some claims, I imagine you've had a few like that, you realize that. The difference in making people's lives, and um, um, you know, uh, you know, it's and I've probated. I don't know. I've been appointed by a lot, three or four states, and some. It's um, it's 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 a can of worms, and 
the lawyers like because when it's really com- com- complicated, they make a ton in accounting firms. So, um, you know, with life insurance and things like that, you, you, there's no lawyers, no accounting firms. You know, it's just cash right direct to the beneficiary, you know. Yeah. And that, you know, one of the things that's really important when you start to think about big picture planning is the liquidity that the life insurance provides. Right. It's it's a known number. It's going to be here on that day. It's going to deliver it to you all your other assets. You have no idea what they're going to be worth at the date of death. And, you know, for business owners, I think it's really an interesting thing. So, you know, I have four kids, you know, from 24 down to six, 16. And, you know, everybody's going to be doing different things in their lives. And, you know, you have a business, you have all these things that how do you, you know, how do you distribute the wealth when you're gone? And the life insurance allows, you know, for equalization, you know, maybe somebody's going to be in the business, maybe somebody's not. Uh, but a lot of times the business is the only asset and one kid might be working in the business and the other two kids are, you know, outside, but all of a sudden the other two kids own two thirds of the business and they're not making any contribution to the business. It's a frightening, frightening aspect, right? So the life insurance, the strategies, the tax, you know, the tax deferred nature of it, the, 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 the stability of it, the predictability of it is, you know, at the foundation of a plan. There was a wonderful quote on your website that I saw. Um, I think it's on your, your castle one, your castle investment with the, Henry David Thoreau about, you know, building castles in the clouds. Now is the time yeah. to under it. I thought that was, I can't find it right now, but it was really, it, it, I had to read it like three times for me to really grab it. And when I, when I, when I saw it, I was like, it makes so much sense. Like we're building these, you know, in the cloud, cloud landia, we're building all these castles and there's no foundation under them. And that Tina concept of, you know, there is no alternative by risk, risk, risk. If you don't have a solid foundation underneath the plan, when things come down, you don't have any available money to take advantage of it either. And it's that liquidity that you need, you know, in that time frame or for income purposes, if you're retired. I mean, that's really where, where I wanted to today, and this has been a really good conversation. I really wanted to capture, you know, that what the life insurance and the annuity companies are doing is a is a wonderful, secure, safe way to approach a portion of the retirement plans, something that everybody, all the big institutions are actually using, but it's not in their sales model. So they're not actually discussing it. Um, <laughs> and that's why I wanted to bring you on today, because when I first got your book back in 07 or 08, when it came out, I was like, wow, like information that I had never actually been, you know, I knew a little bit about it, but I didn't know enough about it. You can get Barry's book, The Pirates of Manhattan at barryjamesdyke.com. There's the other book that's available there also. Um, It's on Amazon. It's one of the, you know, it's a a bestseller. So that's there. as we close up today, Barry, any last words, anything that you want to say? Yeah, we listen to guys like John and buckle your seatbelt because um, this is um, um, all the, you know, the signs are unfortunately, you know, the debt levels, you know, the, the student loan debt, the mortgage debt, the car loan debt, 
credit card debt. Everything's this uh, never never been higher. And um, and so yeah, so we have work with guys like John to rebalance your you know to uh, fortify your balance sheet, if you will. And um, this is um, this is honest. Um, it's not sexy, so people don't want to talk about it. It's not like oh, I, you know, someone talking at a cocktail party. I got you know this hot stock. You know, what do I think about Amazon or uh, whatever? You know, it's just it's just uh, some pot stock, whatever. But no, it's not sexy, but it works. And 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 um, um, yeah, and 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 people can go to uh, barryjamesake.com. You go to the, the you've seen that pop. I have the the YouTube, the uh, the podcast, the Economic Warrior YouTube, and yep. Uh, you know, so people can. Uh, uh, that's that's a good one. Uh, you, you click on that that one down below. Yeah. So uh, luckily, I've been blessed. Um, uh, Let's see. The um, I've interviewed a lot of really top people in, in the industry, and not only that, some celebrities, like guys like Jay Leno, and how they get successful, and, uh, and a lot of really real um, experts in the industry. And just to uh, not hear just from me, but from hear from others and. Uh, um, and all the, and so, you know, so, um, uh, because the negativity is, is, you know, you know, is, uh, uh, it, it works, you know, and a lot of the stuff just doesn't work and never will work. But, uh, but, uh, so, uh, yeah. And, uh, so I just interviewed Paul Craig Roberts and I was injured. Then I actually, uh, interviewed, uh, uh, Noam Chomsky, which is probably one of the greatest intellects in the world. So who knows where yeah. it is, but, you know. And that there's so much amazing content on Barry's website that is out there to listen to, to, to consume. And it's this information that I want to get out to my listeners and my people, because the more we can understand about wealth management being, it's not a miracle product. There's no, I mean, we both are fans of whole life insurance. We like annuities. We invest in the market. We like real estate. We like all these things, but the industry has a tendency to say, put all your money in this, and this is going to be the miracle product. And the reality is without the foundations of the solid foundations and the strong, strong balance sheet, all that other risk capital, you know, at some point when it has a problem, you're going to have a problem. Okay. And it's, and, you know, depending on where you are in your economic timeline, it may be too, you know, there's no time to recover. Um, you know, so I really appreciate this conversation today, Barry. Uh, go to Barry James Dyke, get a copy of the book, uh, go on the Economic Warrior, subscribe to his YouTube channel, take a listen and um, enjoy. And then, you know, every, everybody that's on the call today, um, my book, It's Your Wealth, Keep It, is on Amazon. Um, that's available. So we're we're trying to get a message out of balance and foundation building. That's really what it is. So, Barry, I appreciate you being on today. Well, Thank thanks you. for having me on, John. It's great to see you and hope to catch up soon with this old COVID uh, selling to subside. So. Yes. Yes. Okay. Thank you, sir. And uh, I will talk to you soon. Welcome to the end of the video. Smallwood Wealth Management is an investment advisor representative. The opinions expressed by Smallwood Wealth Management and guests on this show are their own. All statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. 
Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice, information presented for this educational purposes only. Moreover, no listener should assume that any discussions or information presented serves as a receipt of or substitute for personalized advice from Smallwood Wealth Management or from any other investment professional and is not intended as an offer of solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Smallwood Wealth Management is not a law firm or an accounting firm, and no portion of this presentation should be interpreted as legal, accounting, or tax advice. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as a recommendations appropriate for any individual. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from a qualified tax, legal, or investment advisor to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Thank you for listening.